Well, hello there, and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. This is episode 87, and is if this is your first episode, you can go back and listen to all our old episodes. You can find them on animationforadults.com itself. You can find them on podcast.com. You can find them on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Those are the places you can currently find all of our episodes, and also the um, animator interviews that are done by animation nights new york that are worth listening to as well um i am chris and i am joined this week as always by rachel hi rachel hey chris how's it going it's been going pretty good this week a little bit busy on the work front but uh i was i heard that we're having an anime episode especially i think we're following up a discussion that we've had on a previous episode so i'm i couldn't miss that for the world so here i am yeah we are going to be talking today about the uh the uh, anime and manga franchise well anime manga and now live action franchise of death note that is going to be our main discussion uh, a bit later on the show and we are going to get spoilerific uh because there's a lot of stuff to talk about in that story and i will i'd be wanting to talk about that for a while since i i finally finished the anime series <laughs> um <laughs> after many years um and also Seeing as the uh, interestingly received uh, live-action movie has come out, and I was on the show where you discussed that one, uh, I, I just had to. I just heard your opinions, uh, but we That's will. Okay. I will shave those for later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll mum the word for now, but we'll get we'll we'll get back to that. But uh, we have any news coming down the pipeline we want our listeners to know about? We certainly have a very eagerly anticipated new trailer came out this week and that is for the second stop motion animated movie from Wes Anderson and the film is called I Love Dogs Ooh. and this is yeah this is uh, his second foray into stop motion animation after of course Fantastic Mr. Fox but this time it's about dogs and um <laughs> We didn't know much about it. Uh, we knew that it was about dogs. We knew that it was somehow a Japanese story, and we knew that it had basically a really good voice cast with all the usual Wes Anderson people, plus Brian Cranston and a couple of other people. Uh, who? Mm-hmm. I Jeff mean, Gold- I'm, I'm, I was starstruck to be honest. Mm-hmm. And the first trailer's out, and it's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I have to say, even though I wasn't sure what to think, because I remember when I saw um, Fantastic Mr. Fox uh, trailer back way back when. I, I will admit I have yet to see the movie, even though I probably should uh. see it. I know, I know. I like it's one of those films that just as much as I wanted to see it, it kind of slipped under my radar, and I do mean to uh, remedy that in the future. Uh, I like I wasn't sure if it was this like the style of stop motion that it was, just kind of like really struck me as odd. Which is maybe why I wasn't in such a hurry to uh, watch, even after people had recommended, like, oh, this is actually a really good movie. But at least with this film, like, straight off the bat, with this premise and the the look of everything, and it just, it just, it's got this weird kind of charm to it. And it's, and it's pulling me in, even stronger than uh, the Fantastic Mr. Fox did, which I'm surprised by. The, the stop, basically, like, the, the style of uh, models and everything are about as far away from like the slick ones you get in Leica films for example or mm-hmm. or the sort of more 
cuddly ones you get in an Aardman film. They 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 look kind of a bit like moth bitten and stuff, which is a yeah different aesthetic. But I I love Fantastic Mr. Fox. I'm a big Wes Anderson film fan as it is anyway, because mm-hmm. I'm you know I'm a bit of a a um, pretentious indie film snob <laughs> sometimes. Um, and I really like Fantastic Mr. Fox, and it's really great. And I was excited about this, and having seen the trailer, I am even more excited. Um, so the story is that in future Japan, there's the dog flu rages the city, rages a fictional city called Megasaki, uh, and they decree that all the dogs will be banished to an island. It's a trash island, uh, but. It then obviously becomes Isle of Dogs, and uh, so you, the, you see see it like from the dog's perspective. So you hear the dogs talking, um, but basically a a twelve year old boy called is it is it called Akira? I can't remember. Did I write that down? <laughs> <laughs> no, Atari. I think he's called. <laughs> yeah, the, for a second when like I remember when they said his name in the trailer, like wait. Why am I thinking of a game system? Like, okay, no, that's why. That's why. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he comes to rescue his dog onto the island. And a bunch of mm-hmm. dogs team up with him, uh, even though they can't understand each other. <laughs> I think that's actually a great touch, at least from what they've talked about in the actual, in the in the trailer so far. It's, uh, you know, you the, the dogs are, you know, obviously played by the... Uh, the um, English-speaking actors, but then it sounds like you have, I mean, say for, like, one character, everyone else is uh, speaking Japanese, which is fantastic. Yeah, this is, um, actually, it's interesting because in Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, which is obviously a based on a, a English novel by Roald Dahl, um, the, all the animal characters have, are played by American actors, um, but the humans uh, were voiced by people like, um, Oh, Michael Gambon and uh, British actors. Hmm. So that was kind of how they, con- you know, they made the difference in that film. And like you say, this time they've got Japanese-speaking people. Although I have seen a little bit of uh, <laughs> a little bit of complaint from some people. Uh uh-huh. Who are like, oh, why, why are the Japanese characters? You know, why, why? I've got a, got all the American people in it if it's set in Japan and it's like but they're dogs it doesn't really yeah, seem yeah there's a distinction between the two of them and obviously we do have one character a uh, human character on screen who's speaking English but we don't know the circumstances of that yet or why she's speaking English so just why after this is only the very first trailer people are already jumping down the throats of this film and just like relax calm down we haven't <laughs> really had a, this is our, really our first introduction to the film yeah, I know. I know it. I mean, for a start, it seems like they've the fact that they've they've gone to the effort of casting Japanese actors should that should be uh, you know something. <laughs> yeah, that, that that shows some integrity right there. So, I mean, yeah, like... and actually having them speak Japanese as well. I mean, they've they've done a more faithful job than they did with um, uh, Kubo and the Two Strings, really. <laughs> Which, yeah, well. which is, you know, all set in Japan, uh, but mm-hmm. mainly voiced by Americans or 
Irish people in one case. Um, so it seems like a bit. I you know I know it's a an issue that people have, and I totally understand it. But in this case, it seems like maybe I don't know. <laughs> it seems a bit it, of a bit of a jump. <laughs> yeah, well, at least it's 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 kind of like you know people are because of those potent those past issues or people they or past disagreements like oh when anyone sees any kind of uh, hints that this film could be playing to that excuse me that particular uh, idea they're just like oh well this is the same doing exact same as that film like well but it isn't you don't know either. until the movie <laughs> comes out guys mm-hmm. uh, reserve criticism until the thing actually comes out it's coming out next March in. Uh, in America, March twenty third, twenty eighteen, and in the UK, not much longer after, March thirtieth. Um, uh, interestingly, it is being released by Fox Searchlight, uh, who are sort of like the boutique indie um, side of Fox, rather mm. than Twentieth Century Fox. Which I and also I kind of get the vibe from the trailer that it's not really being aimed at families. I mean it. Not... Yeah, go ahead. I'm not saying it's going to be R-rated or anything. Mm-hmm. It it might be PG at most or something. Uh, but I kind of feel like they're going after specifically a more sort of indie Wes Anderson fan and animation mm-hmm. fan crowd rather than families and general audience. Yeah, that that that's the kind of vibe I'm getting to. I'm getting from it also because it's it's definitely not trying to be like a family friendly film. I mean the whole premise of the the story is basically a bunch of these, you know, dogs, you know, lovable dogs that, you know, families would normally have in their homes and just like, okay, we're 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 outlawing dogs, we're sticking on on this junk heap of an island, you know, where we can only I can only imagine where so many like bad things could potentially happen to the cast of characters. And I don't know, it just seems like it's got that kind of that hard edge to it in terms of like what the narrative could possibly scope, you know, at least broaden out to be. I mean, obviously, again, reserve judgment until the film actually comes out, but that's, that's the the gist that I'm getting from the trailer. You definitely have to check out Fantastic Mr. Fox, because it, it, it no, is... No, I know. I need... Definitely before this movie comes out, for sure, I'll try and watch it. It is nominally a family film. I think, you know, it's considered to be a family film, but again, it's very... It's one of the strangest ones you will see, I think. Um, okay. And I, I, I want to hear what you think when you watch it. Um, yeah. So, Isle of Dogs looks good. There you go. <laughs> yeah. The trailer is on the website, so if you're curious, by all means, take a look for yourself and uh, draw your own conclusions. Whether you are excited, tentative, or not looking liking what you're seeing, you know, go ahead and look, take a look, and voice your opinions. And based on the reaction to the to the post, I'd say people are very excited. It's it's been yes. very popular. So there you go. Um, mm-hmm. Moving on to um, a bit of news about DreamWorks Animation, because ah, basically uh, a whole bunch of stories came out about them around the same time. So I wrote up a post where I I am um, rounded them up because I'm nice like that. Uh, <laughs> and the first one of the stories is that the Crudes 2 is back on. Is 
it now? Because I know we were having, um, there was a little bit of uncertainty when they were, uh, the Universal deal with DreamWorks was going through and it looked like it wasn't going to be happening. So it's, it's, it's coming back. Yeah, they basically sent everyone off who was working on it. It was, it was in development for quite a while and then they just sort of decided not to make it anymore. And you thought, oh, maybe this is the, the new new regime. <laughs> um, hmm. And it kind of seemed odd because that was like one of their recent successes the first crew yeah um it's pretty it's pretty good i think <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I remember really liking the animation from it. i haven't really had a chance to see the whole film all the way through but i really remember seeing the trailer and even though i might have not been entirely on board with the plot i really like the character designs and the animation for sure well, they've uh they've announced that the crew 2 is back on uh and it is going to come out in september 2020 it was actually like supposed to originally come out like this year or next year, but oh uh, yeah, then... well obviously when you got trouble and internal mm-hmm. troubles, and uh, they basically all they said about the plot is that they encounter a new, another family, and that's their biggest their biggest challenge yet is another family. So hmm, but what kind of other family? I wonder. We'll have to find out. mm Hmm. So there, <laughs> more cavemen animation after Croods, the early man. Interesting, actually, the Croods, the the mm-hmm. idea at one point was going to be done by Ardman because really because DreamWorks and Ardman used to have a deal, and there was an original script for the Croods that was going to be uh, done by Ardman. And I think the original script was by or co-written by John Cleese, so it was you know quite different from the film hmm. <laughs> we eventually got. Um, and then, as it happens, Ardman are now making an animation about cavemen. So, <laughs> but but cavemen playing football. Yes, football playing cavemen. So very different. Yes, <laughs> but there's a little connection there, so that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and the other DreamWorks story is that they have unveiled a new original film called Spooky Jack that will come out in 2021. Mm. That, that they've described as a comic look under the bed and in the closet of kids' imagination. Huh. And uh, they've got... There is a three siblings who move into a new house and they basically discover that uh, all the creatures that they thought were mythological, like Bigfoot, leprechauns, and things, are mm-hmm. squatters in their house. Um, <laughs> okay, all right. But kind that of sound too bad. what makes it more interesting is that it's being uh, produced by a gentleman called Jason Bloom uh, and his Bloomhouse Productions. Uh, okay. Who, are not animation people, but um, our Jason Bloom is a bit of a success story in Hollywood because uh, he's produced several uh, really successful films, uh, like mostly horror films, like uh, Paranormal Activity series. Uh, yeah, the... I was gonna I was gonna mention that because that's why I recognised the name. And The Purge, and uh, also like Get Out was a big hit this year. That was a Bloomhouse production. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made Split, the last Shyamalan movie, um, and he is basically really 
famous in the industry for making films that are by Hollywood standards really cheap but are really successful and he he manages to get you know he's I think he's seen as you know quite a director friendly producer and um hmm. it's interesting that he's now getting into animation and is he going to bring his uh you know his uh qualities into <laughs> animation um to get a cheaper film because uh, I know DreamWorks will be doing that a bit, like Captain Underpants, is it called Captain Underpants? Um, was like um, outsourced. Uh, no, yeah, 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 that was the one, yeah. Yeah, it was like made way cheaper than other DreamWorks films. So Yeah, they outsourced it, I believe. So maybe this is going to be another outsourced film. Maybe Jason Bloom will bring on his... Um, his... Uh, his nouse at make, bringing in films under budget and also you know he knows ho- horror I guess so and this is a bit bit horror themed but also when I was looking up the story I looked up the IMDB listing for the film and mm-hmm. the directors are interesting that are listed uh, well one of the directors is interesting because it's co-directed uh, the first director oh. is um Mike Mitchell, who did Trolls, um, and but he, uh, and I think he's doing Trolls too, and mm-hmm. he's he's also done like live action films like Sky High and stuff. Um, but obviously, I'm sure he's he's a very talented fellow and everything. But it's the other name that we're interested in because it is Darren Nefsey, who is the um, is that how you say it? I hope uh, who is the creator of Star vs. the Forces of Evil. Oh my goodness! It's a feature debut then, mm-hmm. possibly. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Gracious uh, sakes alive! And I haven't seen it like reported anywhere, like where I've seen the film being written up. But according to IMDb, that's what she's doing, which is very cool. <laughs> I um, hope that's true because I'd, I'd love to. I love to see her get some experience with uh, making making feature uh, film. And considering like how few, how few. Uh, feature animated films are directed or co-directed by women uh mm-hmm. it's it's good to see that basically oh yeah always not just the fact that star vs. the forces of evil is a very very entertaining uh cartoon show in its own right and the fact that the brains behind that would be making a feature-length film or giving it the chance to make a feature-length film would be is really exciting and the one other uh, DreamWorks story relates to small screen news and I think is, is a story that might interest you mm-hmm. um, and that is the fact that Voltron Legendary Defender is coming back to Netflix for season 4 on October 13th man they are trying to keep the, get this keep this going as soon as possible but no this is yeah I'm ready after yeah. this after the way the last season ended I'm excited to see how they follow that up and there's a new trailer and yeah, it's coming back for six episodes because that's what they're doing now. They're bringing, they're like putting out more episodes sooner rather than making you wait six months or a year or whatever to give you thirteen episodes. Yeah, that's that's actually not a not a bad strategy, at least with the way that they've been releasing them. That way, we get the episodes. Yeah, like I said, get them episodes quicker. Even though they're not as many at a time, it's still you get them sooner. And that's considering how they've been handling the narrative storytelling for this show. That's probably to their benefit to keep interest up, but no, yeah, um, 
I don't know, like, if I've already had a chance to voice my opinion on the, the last season. I know I think I may have touched on it slightly, but it's... I'll reiterate it again just to, for, like, really briefly. It's just, it, There were some interesting conflicts that were introduced with uh, the third season of uh, Voltron in terms of uh, leadership of the team. And um, they, did, they kind of touched on it a little bit at the very end of the third season, but they didn't really resolve any issues. So I'm lo- I'm hoping, and from the, if the uh, season description is to be believed, then I have a feeling then uh, that will be continued to be explored in the fourth season. I'm super behind. I've never finished season one. <laughs> ah! I know, I know, I'm bad. Uh, okay, <laughs> that's just my thinner fan girl coming out, just like, oh, it's so good. Why haven't you watched it? Yeah, but then in the same breath, I have also haven't watched the Fantastic Mr. Fox and. You really like it, so I really can't complain. <laughs> I have no right to complain. Exactly. We all have our um, our blind spots. Um, <laughs> moving on to uh, some news relating to festivals, because there's so many festivals going on in the next few months. Um, mm-hmm. uh, well, actually, one festival has just happened, and that was the Ottawa International Animation Festival up in Canada uh, which is one of the most prestigious animation festivals in the world and it is it, it was its 41st year this year because uh, mm-hmm. last year it celebrated its 41st 40th even <laughs> anniversary um, and they this year in their at their feature category Masaki Yuasa had two films in competition, competing against himself. Oh, right, yeah, I remember hearing about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, goodness. Did, uh, how did, how did that turn out, Chris? Well, it turns out he did win, uh, which is just as well. I, just, if, like, one person had two, two, uh, nominations and then didn't win, you'd think, did mm. they cancel out each other's votes? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about that, but still, that's really cool that he he still he still won by those like oh two movies like which which of the movies that he had but were uh, screening there? Uh, one of them is called Lou Over the Wall, and the other one yes. is called Night Is Short, Walk On Girl, and that is the one that won. Um, oh, okay. And the Wasn't the jury expected. The jury who picked it said it was a manic masterpiece, and they said it was unexpected and delightful from beginning to end. And it takes animation storytelling to a whole other level. Hmm, bold claim. Yeah, so that sounds exciting. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, that won the grand prize in features. Um, and their grand prize for independent animated short went to a, a German short called Ugly uh, from a filmmaker called Nikita... Diacor, I think, is how it's pronounced. Just guessing, actually. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I've never it's heard only, anyone say it. It's okay. It's just really only so much like we, only you can glean from a name when we read it aloud. I mean, read it instead of speaking it aloud. And they've given out a whole other load of awards, and you can check out all the winners on animationadults.com, uh, and you will find the link in the show notes. But moving on to festivals that haven't happened yet, um, 
one of them we've reported on recently is Animation is Film, which is the one yeah. that's happening in Los Angeles, in Hollywood, and it is um, being held by G-Kids Films in collaboration with Annecy International and Variety, and it's taking place October 20th to 22nd at TCL Chinese Theatre Hollywood. Uh, all the tickets are now on sale, and they've also re- released the full slate of everything that's happening. Um, and as I said, we have reported before what they're showing, um, but they've added a few extra films um, that are screening in competition. Um, Mutafukas is, is one that's coming, that's been added, which is there's the um, co-production between Japan Studio 4C and uh, uh, French creative team and every time I hear that title it makes me think of um, a a um, Flight the Concord song uh, oh. called Mother Uckers and I just always hear that in my head um, <laughs> um, but they are screening Lou Over the Wall and uh, Night is Short Walk on Girl so again Mr. Yuasa is competing against himself um, and they're also having director Q&A's of a bunch of films that are showing there uh, A Big Bad Fox and Other Tales is getting its uh, premiere and director Q&A um, Big Fish and Begonia which is a Chinese animated feature that is also showing in London Film Festival th- uh, next month Bird Boy the Forgotten Children is having a director question and answer session as well uh, The Breadwinner uh, Nora Toomey is going to be there for a direct Q&A for that uh, then there is a uh, I think it is a new film from the animation studio Shaft uh, with a bit of a mouthful of a title which is Fireworks should we see it from the side or the bottom and there's no question mark apparently um, what oh my yeah. like, I, and, and when I think I've heard the craziest titles of anything that you know films or shows or whatever once, I, once I've already thought, like, oh, I've, I've heard the craziest show title ever, you you surprised me with another one. There's always wow. another one. Always another one. <laughs> it's very true. But yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a mouthful, also a bit of a mouthful, but uh, dare I ask what that one's all about? I don't know, I'm afraid. <laughs> that's right. okay. Uh, Mary and the Witch's Flower is... Which is also accompanied by a direct Q&A with Horimasa Yonabayashi um, Motofukas as we've already said, Night Short, Walk on Girl uh, Tehran Taboo is another uh, world, uh, North American premiere with a director Q&A uh, Tropical Virus, which I have to say I have not heard of before uh, is having a world premiere and director Q&A and Zombilenium, which we've also mentioned a couple of times before uh, is having its director Q&A as well. Wow, that's uh, a lot of movies. And that's just the films in competition. There's also a bunch of special screenings and events. Um, like they're showing the Lego Batman movie. and um, <laughs> Yes. Uh, there's a special 80th anniversary screening of Snow White and Seven Dwarfs. So Disney Ooh. are involved, so that's good. Uh, there's a VR lounge. Um, there's going to be a special... Uh, sneak peek of Coco uh, which accompanies a screening of The Incredibles and also a bunch of surreal studio shorts from the 1930s oh that's fantastic that man this this sounds like it's going to be a big deal 
Mm-hmm. And Oof. they've also revealed the full jury, and they've got a really, um, really good, diverse uh, bunch of people. They, it's really good um, mix in terms of uh, men and women, and also people of different backgrounds and stuff, and also people with uh, lots of uh, credibility behind them. People um, who are either in the industry or are um, known critics in for uh, important places. And they include uh, one of the additions is Brenda Chapman, who directed Brave, and is also oh. uh, a veteran of other famous animated films that you may love from the past. Um, mm-hmm. And also on the jury is Jorge Gutierrez, director of Book of Life. Hey, so, nice. So, as I said, that is all happening in October. Uh, between the 20th and 22nd so if you are in the LA area then get your tickets now because if they haven't sold out already because uh, yeah. it's going to be awesome <laughs> now popping over to this side of the pond uh, there is a couple of other festivals happening uh, up in Scotland Scotland Loves Anime is happening uh, this is a festival that's uh, this is I think the eighth year it's happened and as you've probably gathered uh, they have a a bit of a theme to their films being that they're, um, they're all um, anime rather than just general animation mm-hmm. and several of the films that we've already mentioned uh, we're going to be screening there as well um, very good and, and it happens in some of it happens in Glasgow some of it happens in Edinburgh and they've also expanded now um, to have additional screenings in, um, uh, I think it's Dundee, Aberdeen, and Dumfries. So, and they are going to be screening uh, a bunch of anime films that have had cinema releases recently, but you might not have had a chance to see. Uh, so, Silent Voice, which is also having its the world premiere of the English dub mm. and also uh, they're going to be showing Your Name and have a chance to see that and that film we mentioned earlier with the title <laughs> <laughs> with the fireworks <laughs> I'm just going to call it that because it's too just much fireworks. of a mouthful fireworks someone's going to abru- have that whole thing abbreviated and it's going to be some kind of like garbled, garbled word like like I have something I don't know, I have yet to put it together. But next time we talk about this film, if we do next time we do talk about, it, I'll have one ready. <laughs> oh, we never mention this film again. It's too it's too much of a mouthful. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and so uh, Lou Lou over the wall and Night is Short are screening up there as well. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, did, I did. When I wrote it up, I just called it fireworks. <laughs> that's okay, fair enough. Well, that's, that's the best way to abbreviate it. Um, and they're also screening some classics like Tokyo Godfathers. Oh, good. Yes. Uh, Vampire Hunter D, Bloodlust, and Venus Wars. Oh, and Osama Tezuka's Metropolis. Hey! He's also screening... And they are screening the live-action film of Tokyo Ghoul. So, lots of 
films to see and that's happening in Glasgow 13th to 15th of October and Edinburgh 16th to 22nd of October and they are all on sale now also on sale now is the uh, tickets to the Manchester Animation Festival which is happening for the third time this year in a venue called Home and they are going to be screen they are going to be screening The Breadwinner they are going to be screening Big Bad Fox and Other Tales uh, Loving Vincent and Terror on Taboo so films that will be familiar from us talking about earlier <laughs> um, they're basically going through the rounds of trying to get these films you know through the festival circuit and so we're, we'll move on from one festival to the next to the next to the next yeah and this is happening November 14th to 16th in Manchester England and uh, they're going to give their their fellowship award to a fella called Josh Weinstein or Weinstein uh, who has worked on The Simpsons as well as Danger Mouse and Strange Hill High and is currently hard at work on Matt Groening's new Netflix series Disenchantment. Ah, uh, yes. And there's also a bunch of masterclasses and um, uh, talks and things like that and there is also going to be a special family preview day the weekend before uh, held in association with the BBC so there's lots to check out. Uh, find the link in the show notes and on animationfedults.com and I think that's all the news yeah the festival festival season is still going very 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 strong so if there's any of those festivals are happening near you or if you're looking to have a good time and getting a chance to see some of these films that we've been discussing in our new previous podcast episodes or news posts definitely look into whichever one will be closest to you and definitely check them out and support them yeah, I'm sorry. I just feel like that just was me basically listing a bunch of films <laughs> for half an hour, and I'm very sorry. It, it, I'm sure it's terrible listening. I'm sorry. Well, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> there's just a lot coming out. Like even though a lot of the like the main feature films, like we've we've had this previous discussion before, on the, in terms of our like prospects for the uh, 2017 season, where it's like there aren't gonna be like a, quite many like really big. Uh, feature film releases so the fact that there's you know so many interesting films coming through the film festival season that are look like they're really worth checking out like loving vincent the breadwinner uh you know uh gosh i'm even i'm having like lou over the wall and like all the masaki yuasa films it just there's a lot going there is there's still a lot for animation lovers to you know track down and uh get an opportunity to see and you know if you have if you have the chance to see them definitely support them because the only reason why we have these festivals and why there's more coming up with L, you know L, um, animation is film in LA is because there is an interest here so if if we're going to keep that going then we need to make sure we support these uh, these groups as much as we can otherwise we, you know animation lovers deserve to have nice things too and these are the nice things for us so yay um so I think it's time to move on to our main topic. Indeed, I've got my notebook and pen ready. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Evil laughter. Uh, yeah, Death Note is what we're going to be talking about, which is uh, started off as a hit manga, then it became a hit anime, and uh, 
a live action movie in Japan, well, two live action movies in Japan, and then some more live action movies in Japan, and the TV series, <laughs> live action TV series, and a bunch of novels, and eventually, this year, it became a Netflix funded uh, live action movie that we will have to talk to talk about yeah, at some point. We'll, 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 we'll I've, I've, already, I've already voiced my opinion on it like uh, we covered it um dan and i had a chance to talk about it a little bit in one of our previous episodes uh, i believe is our castle in the sky feature episode so mm. if you're curious about that i mean obviously we'll be talking about the series as a whole here spoilers included but for the uh first couple minutes i think we're going to talk about mainly just our non-spoilerific opinions on the series or franchise as a whole before we get into any specific details regarding either the manga the anime etc 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 so death note in case you don't know, uh, is an interesting story of a a young um, young fella called Light Yagami, uh, at least in all the Japanese ones, uh, mm -hmm. who finds a magical notebook, yes, a notebook, uh, dropped by a Shinigami, which is a death god, um, basically Japanese equivalent of a Grim Reaper type thing, um, and he discovers that if he writes somebody's name in the book and he can uh, think of their he can picture their face in his mind then that person will die yes so he mm -hmm. has the power of life and death over people and he decides uh, to use it to reshape the world and make it basically to become a god of sorts and taking out criminals and stuff and trying to uh, improve the world. Use it for justice by, and all that. But by murdering people. Um, yeah. And the funny thing is, every, you know, all these people start dying mysteriously all over the world. Uh, so the police and the, um, like the intelligence services and stuff do start to take notice. And um, a special task force is set up and... That is when a um, a genius detective known only as L shows up, and that's kind of when it gets interesting because it's <laughs> like a like a cat and mouse um, clash of the super intellects type thing. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, and I won't say much more than that <laughs> to start that's off with. Yeah, that's basically the premise of, like, the very first two episodes. And normally, like, people who have had experience watching, you know, Japanese uh, animated series before, sometimes you really don't get an idea of, like, what the whole scope of the narrative is, at least until, like, the first two or maybe three episodes of the show. Maybe even five if you're, if it's really uh, slower paced. But, but by literally by the second episode, we have our setup. We know what Light's goal is. We know what he's going to be doing with the Death Note. We know his ambition and then almost immediately in the second episode, we are given the series antagonist, or at least in the scope of this uh, particular narrative, it is he is the general antagonist um, known as L. So, and then the whole premise of the rest of the series, at least until a point, is the two battle, you know, the battle of wits of who's going to find out the identity of the other first, because whoever finds out both the name and the face of the other person is going to be in a whole heap of trouble. So the question is, how did you first? encounter Death Note. Did you start with the anime? I did actually because um, that was I believe during the time where a lot of these shows were coming on TV. 
either on, I wasn't sure if it was Adult Swim or not, it, but um, I think it was, I came in pretty, like, it was mid-high school, I think it started coming out. And I'm I'm pretty sure, like, I get the feeling like it was one of the Toonami shows, but at the same time, I'm not entirely sure. I think it might have been, like, it was either on Toonami or, like, in the very early on Adult Swim, so I was able to catch it. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of how I was introduced to it. So the anime was my first introduction to the concept of this series, and then um, watching it, at, you know, not on a, re- a regular basis, but as many episodes as I could, you know, try and tune in for. Because I think that was still before we had the uh, recording capabilities of uh, on, on TV. But, um, at least on my particular TV. But yeah, no, I was, uh, the whole... I think it was the very first episode that I actually saw. It wasn't the first first episode, it was the second one. So it was the... You know, we already were familiar with what Light was doing, and then that was uh, Elle's introduction into the story. And I think it was at that point that I kind of like, hmm, this seems interesting. And then subsequent episodes that followed had me really kind of hooked me hooked me at the edge of my seat pretty much every single time I tuned in. In my case, I started with the manga. Um, I think I think it might have been recommended to me, um, and I started collecting the manga and. Uh, the art is really incredible um, mm-hmm. and it's also a really intriguing premise and uh, it really draws you in and it definitely makes you want to know what happens next so um, you know this was I guess fairly on fairly early on in the sort of like the the manga boom of like uh, reasonably priced um, unflipped Japanese authentic mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> books that you could get, and like you could go down the uh, go down your local um, bookshop, and um, they used to have three for two on <laughs> on manga. Yeah, back when it was side. really inexpensive to buy manga because they didn't realize there was a whole like culture around this this stuff. Yeah, um, I was I started collecting it and. I also then uh, watched the uh, the two movies, the two-part movie, the li- live-action films, which I actually liked as well. Um, I know a lot of people don't, but mm. I thought they were pretty effective. Um, and then at a certain point, I stopped collecting it because of reasons um, that we'll get into when we get spoilery um <laughs> and i didn't actually watch the anime until i don't know if i'd seen an episode of it before i feel like i might have done but i started watching it last year when i got the um oh i oh i'm sh- i i guess i probably watched it on netflix at some point an episode or two mm-hmm. um or a similar service maybe um but i started watching it when it was released on blu-ray in the uk and i got the uh got the review copy of that to for a certain website that i wrote for um Ah. you might have heard of or not i don't know uh (laughs) (laughs) um i started watching it then and watched it all the way through that way and that was my first experience properly with the anime um Ah. and i would say if you want to watch, I mean, if you want to get into Death Note, um, and you haven't done yet, you can watch it all on Netflix, both in the US and the UK. But I, I would maybe 
recommend checking out the manga. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I I did get exposure to the manga um, later on, definitely after the uh, the you know I'd, I'd been exposed to the anime, and then I found myself in my local bookstore, and then there it was sitting on the shelf, and then all the other rest of the manga collections. So I was like, oh, you know, check this out, and maybe unbought like one or two volumes of it, and it was you know it was parts of the story that I'd, I was already familiar with, having seen it in the anime. But I was very struck, at least style, you know, in terms of style, like how much of it, like the anime was trying to stay faithful to it, but at the same time, how much like the, the you know, the light and shadow of the mm. certain images was just, oh my god, it was beautiful. Just very haunting. There are, there are like some shows that I think maybe you want to read, you maybe want to, you'd want to watch the animated version and read them because they're quite different. Oh yes, uh, this or is they, one of those I was going to say, I, I kind of feel like you can just do one or the other. Actually, I was going <laughs> to get to completely say the opposite because um, because I kind of feel like you know you get the same story or whatever. It's basically because it is one of these cases of it's pretty much just translating the manga. Well, yeah, I mean that's, faithfully, that's, yeah. But at the same so, time, like it's 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 good to see where it all began too. So if you're at least if you're starting with the anime, I would yeah, then, if, I would say at least maybe if you're not going to buy like the whole freaking manga series because you know how the story ends. At the very mm-hmm. least, go and look at or purchase like a, a volume. Like say, what was your favorite story arc in the show? Go find the manga volume of it. At least look how they detail the panels. At least in terms of you know, just because I don't know. That's what I respect about the the mangaka who who. Did Death Note? It's like the, the the shadows and the lighting was really really excellent for the panels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the art is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. And also, yeah, it it it's good thriller. Gets you in, um, and it it shocks you. You go, oh, I can't believe they did that. Um, <laughs> uh, that light, eh? Hey, he's a, he's a bit of a bugger, isn't he? <laughs> Are we referring right light, light Yagami? Yeah. I I know I already said this before in the previous podcast, and you, if you're curious, you can go back and listen to that episode and hear me say it all over again. But um, there are certain characters in whatever type of media, whether it be a movie or a book or what have you, there are always those certain characters that you just you love to hate. You know, you just you want to see, like you know, get them get their comeuppance and whatever. I originally had a few characters like that in anime, like, you know, one or two, but none have nearly come so close to the level of I want to see justice done as there has ever was with Light Yagami, because, oh, <laughs> he triggers me. He <laughs> triggers me so much. <laughs> he's he's quite unusual as a main character in that he is just such... <laughs> <laughs> Just when you think he won't stoop to any, he won't stoop any lower, he finds a way, and he does it in such a way that he will get off completely scot free. Because unfortunately, he's also incredibly smart, and you're just like, oh, you! I shake my, I wag my fist at you. I wish I could punch you through the screen. And so when the other... he does get punched, you're just like, yes. <laughs> And the other thing is that Elle is really cool. So <laughs> Elle's a great it's character. Great. Yes, it's, it's it was a great role reversal in terms of uh, protagonist and antagonist roles where everyone is rooting for the antagonist, but everyone hates the protag so much. Like, 
it's it's a it's it, it for that point alone i thought death note was really really brilliant and that's why it really it stuck with me for so long because it's a, exactly. I mean, it's a concept that's been done like in a couple other shows too, like even like down the line. But um, I know they kind of tried to do something like that with uh, Code Geass later down the line as well. And then even a show that I, you know, a bit closer to home uh, that I always see my uh, mom watching. It's all called uh, House of Cards. Kind of has a similar mm-hmm. similar idea where we have this protagonist, which is really, really not a good person. Really, just kind of a jerk or you know, murdering asshole. But you still are protagonist, and for better or worse, you keep coming back to watch. Yeah, I I actually I went back and looked at my old review of it, and well, it's not that old, it's December, whatever. Um, <laughs> and uh, it I did say that the um, main character is kind of not like an antihero in the sort of oh he's a bit of a rogue type antihero. He is actually more of like the genuinely bad person, like the main character of Breaking Bad, or um, like, like say House of Cards or something like that, like mm-hmm. a the kind of um, you know, sort of like criminal <laughs> lead no, yeah, you get he's, in. He's evil. He basically becomes evil more and more evil as the series continues. But yet he believes he's always doing the right thing. And if we are all the heroes of our own stories, and uh, no one is more firm believer than that than uh, this 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 slightly Yagami guy. He's like, I'm I'm doing all these great things. I am killing criminals. I am going to make the world a freaking better place. Bow to me. Hmm. Oh, Chat that, my that... name. <laughs> it's really fucking creepy. <laughs> and um, uh, obviously. Uh, Ryuk's really cool as well. He's another great character. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Shinigami generally are interestingly designed everything, but like Ryuk's particular sort of personality with his taste for apples and his just sort of I want to see what he's going to do next sort of attitude makes it entertaining. And also well, he... the fact that yeah, go the, ahead. The fact that he's technically you know he's not helping like really. <laughs> But he's kind of... I'm kind of am. But I'm not. <laughs> he only helps only to see... Only to make sure that he can see how Light gets himself out of situations. He presents the situations like, okay, the, you have this, or you can do this. What 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 are you going to do? What is your decision going to be? Because he's he's kind of like just like, a, like us as the viewer. Like, what is he going to do? What is Light going to do in terms of getting out of the situation not get caught how low, how low is he willing to stoop but without really you know, Ryu doesn't really judge him on that because he's you know he's a Shinigami he's a death god he really doesn't judge as far as that, you know that kind of stuff is concerned because he he's like either way I'm gonna kill I'm gonna kill you <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter what you do I'm gonna kill you eventually and he's um yeah this whole thing is basically just because he's bored and he wants entertainment so I'm gonna drop that see what happens Oh, he's picked it up. Who's this little shit? What's he doing? <laughs> Ooh, he's smart. Let's see what he can do with this. Yeah, he's he's very yeah. Ryuk is very entertaining and um because of his what's the word I'm looking for eccentricity. Yeah, I guess yeah because you because you've got uh Light Yagami as the, you know they're kind of they're mostly seen as a pair. Um, you mm-hmm. know one is always following the other around. Um, and Light is definitely the calm, cool-headed you know, schemer, thinker, 
and whereas Ryuk, I mean, he's also, well, he's also smart, but he doesn't let on that well. Like, he'll only tell light things in regards to power, certain powers, when it's convenient for him. Mm-hmm. But he's still very eccentric, especially when he's on uh, Apple withdrawal. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently apples for, especially red apples, are uh, for Shinigami or death gods are basically kind of like, uh, I would say, was, what, what was, how he, did he compare it? It was like alcohol? I can't remember. <laughs> I remember like, he was like, basically he, he, yeah. he needs to have it every now and again. If he doesn't have it, then he starts getting really, like, really irritable. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, he's great design, and um, also there's a... Uh, well, I guess we should save that for the spoiler discussion, so I'll keep I'll keep my mouth shut. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how how deep to go before we like. I would say just anything that's not talked about in the se- like after the second episode would be considered spoiler territory. Because if anyone wants to start this series or at least start watching the show at the very least, that's the main like leaping off point. Like you'll know you're in. You'll like if you're wanting to stick around after the second episode. Okay, in that case, shall we just say that. From this point onwards, there may well be spoilers mm-hmm. um, uh, for, like we say, anything from about the third episode on, or I don't know, mm-hmm. maybe the second volume or something of the manga. Um, and if you've only seen the Netflix movie or whatever, then we say give give definitely a try that anime version or the manga, whichever you prefer. Um, check it out, see what you see what you think. Um, and uh, sort of skip ahead because we're gonna talk. We're gonna we're gonna spoil the shiz out of it. So mm-hmm. um, well, at least the main series, and we'll eventually yeah. get to the Netflix movie uh, in its own good time. But we'll we'll start with what came first. Yeah, you can skip ahead to the water cooler, but you'll find the um the time code in the show notes. So there we go. Um, yeah. So <laughs> what was it you were gonna say? I was going to referring to the other Shinigami that uh, eventually would make uh, his appearance later on in the story in regards to his, yeah there are two of there are more, there's definitely more than one and mm-hmm. um, that whole I remember, recall that whole introduction of being of that there being another Shinigami hanging around on uh, in the human world with another uh, person with their own death note was a big you know reveal in and of itself. Because that would that basically changed the whole dynamic. Like, okay, there was one person already, you know, using it, but now we have two people kind of using it recklessly and putting people in danger. And um, at least in one particular, you know, in the introduction of the second Kira, as she is called, uh, you know, killing police officers, which was a pretty mm-hmm. big like situation. Um, but yeah, that's both the designs were like Ryuk and uh, Rem I believe is the name of the second uh, Shinigami were really cool and I actually really enjoyed the scene you know the the moment where we had these two characters interact- interacting off each other and be like hey what's up and Rem's just like what are you doing here <laughs> but what do you think of the character of Misa <laughs> um I know that there's a there a lot of varying opinions about this character some people enjoy her. Some people think she's gosh darn annoying. I say she walks that very fine line. There are definitely, she has plenty of annoying moments for sure. And mm-hmm. um, I don't appreciate the fact that it seems like to a degree that she's very much a 
doormat when it comes to Light Yagami. Because especially since he's yeah. such an a-hole. Um, mm-hmm. But there there are, even then, there are some moments where I actually, like, oh, if she's she's actually not, you know, not too not too bad. Like, not like, she can still, she's still an interesting character. Or an interesting, a good character to have in this particular scenario because not only is she acting as comic relief, but she's also uh, got her own perspective on things. As opposed mm-hmm. to like, she's got her own different reasons in terms of what she's doing, and obviously, yes, those reasons I don't agree with. I don't know. I feel like there there was more that could have been done with her, in regards in terms of what she did in the series and what she could have potentially done. She's kind of one of these female characters who, almost their entire personality is just, I like that guy. <laughs> It's, that's pretty I've seen much that there. a lot in anime, especially coming out anime coming out around that time too. Like, or at least the ones that I was tuning into, that basically you would have at least one character who was just completely infatuated with another, and then that was just like their whole reason of being. And yeah, Misa definitely falls into that mold. But it's just like, oh, there you could have potentially done so much different things with it, because especially the fact that you know some of those characters, you know, eventually that love can be requited, but not with Light Yagami, because he's, like, again, he's an asshole, so he's like, ooh, he's a she loves me, I'd... I'm going to use this to my advantage, and I'm going to exploit an innocent girl's infatuation. Oh! Well, not so innocent, because she kills people, but, you know. <laughs> Crazy loves company! <laughs> That's one of, one of the, um, things that it makes you wonder in the series, is, does Light actually care about anyone at all? Because you sort of think that he doesn't even even really care about his family, but he then he does seem to maybe slightly care about his sister. <laughs> yeah, like, at, it's, at it's, a push. <laughs> it's a it's it's amazing because that that's I think even um, after a certain point in the series, which I will I, I do want to talk about um, at one point in this conversation um, in regards to the whole the anime and the series of Death mm-hmm. Note as a whole. Um, it is one of the interesting things about it is seeing, like, well, because when Late starts using the Death Note, he has a very, you know, he has an idea of how he wants to use it. And obviously, it's a messed up reason, but he's going with the logic, you know, the logic that, oh, I'm killing criminals, people who are making the world a terrible place. If I, you know, it's okay to kill them if I'm making the world a better place. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, still terrible, still terrible reasoning, but. Okay, but then he is consistently when he's consistently put to the test and saying, "Okay, there are innocent people who are saying what you're doing is evil." And so from the very second episode on, he's when uh, L tries to draw him out, he tests him, and mm-hmm. he basically forces, you know, encourages like to into a situation where he would potentially kill an innocent person, an innocent, you know, like a, a protector of the peace, and. Mm. Light does so when, as soon as he's been given the actually, like, oh, what you're doing is evil, he lashes out like a spoiled child. So it's like that underlying insanity is always there, and then you, as the series goes on, and he, you know, gets more and more power, you see more of that come to the forefront, and so much the like family connections that he would have had start fading away. Like, I mean, the whole scene with his father on his deathbed, yeah. he wasn't really so much torn up by the fact that his father was dying, but the fact that. His, when his father died that he lost a connection to kill a potential enemy mm. that's what it seemed like to me it's really it did, one of the things that I also like about this it doesn't really draw it draws a very fine line like is he actually sad or is he 
not. You don't know. Because they sort of make you think at one point, oh, no, actually, he does care about his dad. But then it sort of no. then comes around to think, oh, no, actually, he's still a shit. Um, yes. <laughs> he is still a little shit. <laughs> uh, that, that's another interesting thing that they do in the story is that time, time actually passes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in, which you don't don't see in that many animated shows in that like okay well, at some at a certain point in the story um light's not in school anymore he's he's um does it go to university and then, then yeah university yeah. yeah and then and then he's working for the police so actually time does pass and like his sister gets older and things like that you know actually that is something you don't see in <laughs> things a lot of animated series where it's just characters are exactly the same age for 40 years <laughs> whatever the pokemon uh sorry mm. um but no yeah it's it is a really cool uh way that they, they explore the passage of time and how the way life you know light is growing up in a way mm. how that's presenting more opportunities for him to do what he does and that's why when you see him at the height of his power, that's where he's working with the police. Basically using that as a cover-up for what he's actually trying to do in order to protect his identity and as, as Kita. But even then, that's not enough to protect him when he's even got... when he's got enemies everywhere. Yeah, and then, then there's that bit in the anime, I don't really remember if it happened in the manga, where he goes after another another Kira who shows up because a bunch a whole bunch of people find death notes in the end don't they um it's oh. like that there's like there's like the business people and things yeah, like that I don't remember if that was in the mug I think that might have been an anime only thing but I'm not I'm not 100% it's been so long since I've read the manga I'm I really really fuzzy on those details but I actually really enjoyed that whole particular arc of um where L basically had light in a corner Basically having him all but, you know, confirmed to be Kira, but he mm. like, pulls out one um, last uh, gambit to basically give the notebook to Ryuk and basically take it to someone else, and then as a result, having his own memories of using the Death Note completely gone, hence, you know, during the entire time he's under suspicion for being Kira, to have absolutely no knowledge of what he would have done otherwise, so that way his, you know the suspicion is taken off of him and onto somebody else. <laughs> My god, he's a, his, his plot. he's a shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a recurring theme in this episode. <laughs> Alternative title, Light's a Shit. <laughs> yes! Perfect! Beautiful! I love it! <laughs> I love it! <laughs> oh, but no, actually, not... that was actually, that, believe it or not, that was a, my favourite arc of the anime and that was the one I think I was able to watch in um, episode after episode because that was where you had Light and Al actually working together to catch this uh, third Kira along with you know the police force and um, and Misa for some reason mm. um, and I don't know I just I like the character interactions between everyone even, even though you know we still had the overall tension between uh, Light and Al in terms of the fact that you know still suspecting the other for being Kira it was just, I don't know, there was just something about the connection that just really made it, when things went back to the status quo, it kind of made it almost sad. <laughs> like, they worked so well together in terms of, like, trying to actually 
track down criminals and so forth. It's like, oh, like the the tragic what if, what if we could have been friends, just, you know, thing. Mm. Which they, they do hint at quite a lot in uh, Death Note. Mm-hmm. At those two characters. Because they are so alike. <laughs> We're not so different, you and I, they should say. <laughs> It, yes, it, we've it, heard it. it all before, but still, it is it is still compelling, at least in this particular scenario. Basically, the thing about Death Note is it shouldn't work. That idea should not work as as something that's entertaining to watch. Someone writing day names in a notebook. <laughs> that shouldn't work, but it does. So <laughs> yeah, and you know why? At least in regards to the in regards to the anime, since that's the one I was most familiar with, um, a lot of credit goes to uh, Madhouse who uh, was responsible mm-hmm, for the house. animation yeah. for this show. And, man, they can make... Like, the, the shots of Light writing down names in a notebook are just so, like... They're hard, it's hard to describe like, how action-packed they feel because of just, just how the camera is focusing on him writing at his desk and then you have him dramatically, like, write down a name and then just flare the pen at the screen and it's just like... <laughs> he's just writing down names in a notebook, but... I'm like, again, I'm at the edge of my seat. Why am I at the edge of my seat? I'll take a potato chip and freaking eat it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, so many ridiculous moments, but just... Yeah, Madhouse knew what they were doing when they were adapting this this material to animation because they they found to make those, even those minuscule moments, feel so, like, dramatic to the point that you were just, you you were invested no matter what was going on. At at some point we have to get to the elephant in the room. I know. That's the point of basically the point where I stopped reading in the mail. <laughs> and I, if, if I, if this is the same moment I think it is, then it's the same moment I stopped watching the anime, or at least I stopped actively watching to the point where it's like I would watch a few episodes after this one point, and then like I'm not invested anymore. No, I, I, to be to be totally fair, yeah, I read the bit beyond that bit, and then no, nah, this isn't it's good. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the point we are obviously referring to, if you know what we're talking about, if you don't know what we're talking about, I and you're not wanting to be spoiled, then you shouldn't be listening at this point, should <laughs> you? We we've already warned you. We've warned you. Unless I don't know, you just can't turn it off because you're stop button's not working or <laughs> you've got sleep polaris polaris <laughs> anyway anyway yeah sorry um yeah so i don't know how far it is uh, i i want to say i've got up to about volume eight of the manga so mm-hmm. it would be i don't know maybe about volume six or something they do a really shocking twist mm-hmm. which is that Light kills L. Yeah, L dies. Uh huh. And then the story becomes much less interesting because that was kind of the compelling thing about <laughs> the series was the um was the uh, conflict between the two and uh, L being a good character and everything. Mm-hmm. And then they just kill him off for a shocker and it's like oh that is shocking but now what yeah Um, well even you know 
to a certain degree that's reflected on the actual material itself from the, at least what I remember when, uh, watching afterward is that after L's death and Light kind of pseudo takes over his position and to kind of help cover mm. cover himself um, even he starts getting bored because of the fact that L's not around anymore the fact that now that L is gone the fun and the challenge of doing what he does is no longer there which is really, which was interesting to remark that they remarked on that because it was kind of like the general consensus, like yeah, even we're all kind of like, why did you do that? These two were much for you know much much more fun to see you know opposing each other. Now that one's out of the picture, even though you, they tried to uh, make up for it by having two characters come in to kind of pseudo uh, take over L's uh, position as the primary antagonist to finally bring light to justice, it just didn't. It didn't have. It wouldn't have had the same satisfaction if it had been L to finally be successful to deduce who, you know, Light, you know, Kira or Light ultimately was, and just getting that victory because that would. It's just. It wasn't as compelling because it was just. It wasn't the same character. It wasn't the character that we had kind of grown accustomed to through majority of the show. And then not nearly as interesting. The replacements. Well. The mellow. The um, one of the two characters, um, Mello, would have been in brain scheme, in the brain scheme thing because he was a very different character than either L, you know, than L was in terms of you know, emo- like how he was, you know, emotionally react to things. Near as adorable as he is, is basically you know, L Mark II, mm. <laughs> which is just a different. Quirk, you know, Al eats a lot of sugar and candy and sweets and stuff. Nier just likes to play with toys. Because he, mm. is, a, he is a kid. And it's just like, eh, it's not, not nearly as investing as, 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 like I said, as adorable as the character is. I just, I don't, not, not nearly as investing as what we had originally. Yeah, and you, you basically need the contrast with, um, with light. Because, you know, as we've said, <laughs> he is a shit. So you need somebody to, <laughs> you need someone to contrast with that um, to to make it more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, basically, if I, I if I may pose this question to you, then in terms of that contrast, because we've already explained why light's a shit. How is conversely, how is L not a shit? <laughs> why is he ro- worth rooting for? Well, uh, that's a good question. But I don't <laughs> really have a particular answer to it. It's just... Um, he's... I like... He's a cool character. <laughs> he's quirky. Well, I he, guess... If I'm... Uh, did you want to finish, finish your thought? And I will add my... No, I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least from my perspective, I mean, one of the things that immediately draws the audience to L is because of the fact that a, he's the first person on screen to outsmart Light them blatantly. Mm. So immediately, you know, and we've already, you know, up until that point, we have, you know, seen proof of how smart Light is. So the fact that he was outsmarted by someone else, you know, as easily as he was, is remarkable enough to, it's like, oh, who is this person? But then when we're actually reintroduced to him in person, then we kind of get more of a scope of who he is. And I guess... You know, individual quirks aside, which, you know, you obviously have to really see the, you know, material to believe or really understand, is the fact that he's kind of like a, 
Sherlock Holmes in a way. Yeah, I was, I was about. I was at one point. I was going to say he's basically a Sherlock. Yeah. Yeah. You not very socially awkward. Not really into interacting with other people. Very all all about you know the game of catching people who can't be caught. Kind of thing is you when he states blatantly, you know, he'll only take cases that interest him. Mm-hmm. And he, it's not really so much that he has a real, like, solid moral compass, but, he, you know, he does in a way, but not to the point where he won't take any case. He'll just take the ones that are interesting to him, because he, he'll be bored otherwise. I think they even sort of suggest that he might even be British and stuff, which is kind of, I think, is a bit of a bit of a, um, like, a reference to the fact that he was partially based on mm-hmm. <laughs> Sherlock Holmesy type character, I think. Yeah. Uh, um, I think, you know, they only refer to him going to school there or something, but I think it's, mm-hmm. I think they're sort of, uh, they're in, they infer kind of yeah a connection between the characters. Which is cool, and I did, and I did like that, and you, it, it was there was kind of like a Moriarty, you know, Sherlock dynamic mm-hmm. going on between uh, Light and Else. Would that that just because for that alone, like that's a time tested narrative to base an idea off, and then you add the concept of the Death Note to just kind of really just make things all crazy, and then you've got a pretty pretty interesting story or narrative on your hands. But it's I don't know. There's there's still something about L that really just kind of separates him, and at least in a partially. From uh, Sherlock Holmes, and I mean, there's there is still mm-hmm. a bit of a, you know, he, his moral compass is definitely you know pointed towards like helping the law and uh, protecting innocent people. But it, mm-hmm. then, then that's part of the reason why we root for him because you know he, that's why he always like thinks tries to think outside the box out of a situation or try to catch the criminals because he does you know he's trying to avoid more casualties. Hmm. Um. I. It's quite. It's a long time since I've seen the Japanese live action movies because mm-hmm. they they it was one of these things where they they do in Japan where they do a two part film series basically. So there was Death Note and Death Note: The Last Name, mm-hmm. and there's like a, there's like a cliffhanger between them or something. Um, mm-hmm. But I do know that they changed the ending because they basically knew they weren't going to kill off L at the, at the end of the first film and then have the second film be not so good they basically ad- admitted well it's possible actually thinking about it when it came the film came out in 2006 so perhaps <laughs> the, the manga hadn't actually ended at that point mm-hmm. uh, i'd have to um but they yeah they they changed the ending so it is our Ellen like right up to the end i can't oh, quite yeah, i heard about this or no i think i think i actually saw it like i remember um i didn't again i hadn't seen the whole film but i had seen like a clip of it and it was around mm. the part of the ending where that that same plot twist was, and I actually really liked that. I've got a feeling that the way they end it is, um, I think L might die anyway. But yeah, I think he does die. But yeah, um, but he does beat. <laughs> he does get to beat L uh, Light. So, which is. In in all perfect honesty, which is how I felt the man- original manga and the the anime should have handled that particular uh, plot twist yes. that they because I mean obviously they built it up I think recall they built it up up to a point to be exactly the same except 
instead of actually having confirmed, like, you know, L is dead, is like, no. No, he's not. <laughs> At least not yet. <laughs> I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't have minded if they'd killed off L at the very end, but he'd been the one to take out, like, then that would have been a much more satisfying ending. Oh, yeah, yes. But the fact that he just gets, he just goes down like a bitch. It's just not fair. It's mean. Uh, it's, it's hard to say because there was interesting, like, um, one of the, like, it, it really, like, how do you think of, like, how that really happened or how they managed, like, that managed to work so well in Light's favor is just, like, that thing that I have to continuously wrap my head around whenever I revisit this show is because the fact that it's, like, like, how, what was, what was Elle's big, you know, flaw or mistake or thing that he overlooked that allowed him, allowed this, you know, Light to actually win in this particular instance because, I mean, the whole thing with, again, I'm going off the show here, the whole idea of, um, having, like, have his memory of using the Death Note gone for so long while they're trying to track down this other Kira... Having mm. so long working with Elle personally, maybe actually forming more of an emotion, like you know, as much as much an emotional bond as Elle can have with another person, you know, mm. having that be the foundation. So maybe that's where he lets his guard down, and then when he gets the Death Note back and he's able to start doing what he does again, that's how Light is able to get in there and finally get him. But at the same time, it's just like I've heard, you know, I've heard different accounts on this. Like, no, Light Elle never believed that, you know. Light was a, you know, a friend to his, or at least, you know, they, that emotional attachment was never really there, because that's not what L does. It, it's it's really hard, like, you will, you you ask anybody who's really, like, into the show, and you'll probably get a variety of different accounts in terms of what happened, but I guess it really comes down to interpretation, because it's vague enough that it's not really solidly stated. I mean, at least Light does get defeated at the end, but it's not nearly as satisfying as it could have been. <laughs> mm, yeah. Considering right. how long uh, their yeah. game of considering how long their game of cat and mouse went for, it felt mm. like a bit of a jip. But I I think in the manga, I mean in the anime, it is is a bit later on in the story. I think that the big twist happens, isn't it? It's not it's not like halfway through or anything. It's no, no. I would say it's it was nearer the nearer the, the end. Yeah. It's it's a shame that they did that. <laughs> yeah, but like you were referring, they they made up for it in the uh, in the live action movies. So mm-hmm. that was I, I was really because I when first when those were announced, I wasn't really sure about them because it's just like oh I've seen this story before. I mean it would yeah, and I looked at the casting list. I mean at least everyone looks like their characters, which is really good. But at the same time, I'm just like I'm not really sure I'm willing to stick it with it to the point because it, it was the same issue with, you know, the loss of dynamic between L and, and Light after a certain mm. point. Like, am I really willing to sit through that again? But then they pull that twist and I'm like, oh, this is right. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> I mean, it's a long time since I've seen them, so maybe they don't hold up. But I will say that I remember L, the actor playing L, being really good oh, and yes. being really tr- true to the character. Um, the guy playing light was okay <laughs> but the um uh you know in that you probably wanted to smack him in the face which is what you, no, yeah, you should want to do yeah yeah no it doesn't matter who's playing him you know, i always want to punch light in the face 
Mm. No, no offense to the actual actor himself, because mm. he did a great job. It, it means he's doing a good job. Yes. You want to smack him. <laughs> and the, um, the actress playing Misa was pretty. And yeah. yeah. No, every, everyone <laughs> but, was good. Everyone was cast well. That's one of the enjoyable things about the live action film. So if you're... You've seen the rest of Death Note. You're not entirely sure. You want to check out the live, the Japanese live action films. There, I would say they're worth watching. And then there is apparently a a no, a, like a 2016 Death Note: The Next Generation type movie as well. Wait, what? And a, yeah, I was looking it up. There was they because they did a another movie, and they also did a TV miniseries to connect the. The original 2006 movies to the new one, okay. but it's obviously it's not going to have any of the same characters in it. So yeah. it's just more people with death notes. Which mm, is... not and sure. then there's there's also a live action drama that they made in 2015. I think wow. I think that might have streamed on Crunchyroll at some point. Anyway, so yeah, and I, there's a I, musical. I fancy to say that I think Death Note's rather popular in Japan. <laughs> And a musical, obviously. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's... I'm it's, going to write your name in the book. popular. <laughs> yes. Um, and then, of course, there is the... Um, <laughs> the American adaptation. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is so bad. <laughs> Let me <laughs> I said ask. It. Um, I said it. Did you watch the whole thing like I did, or how long did you last? No, I'm gonna watch the whole thing. Damn it! Okay. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not gonna judge if I haven't seen the whole thing. Fair enough. I, I, I have to say, I went into it when I heard it was happening. I, um, I tried to keep an open mind. I, I know there was all the um, controversy around whitewashing, and I have said before, I don't really think that is the same here as it is like with Ghost in the Shell Mm -hmm. or whatever um, because it's an adaptation it's relocating it yeah Um, in the US so if that's the case then then you can't get away from that I'm sorry Uh, I mean I mean they didn't help themselves by saying oh yeah we tried we tried to cast Asian people but we couldn't find anyone who could act or something like that someone said and it's like lies I say say, that's not true though (laughs) so that's that you sound that makes you sound stupid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. And also the director Adam Wingard. I've enjoyed some of his other films. Uh, the guest is really good, and Your Next is a decent horror film. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen his Blair Witch film. Uh, but so I went into it trying to be as positive as I could. And? But it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> um, the thing is, is it's a basic misunderstanding of the whole thing. <laughs> I mm-hmm. think is the problem with it. In that they've tried to change the character too much. Um, basically, you know what we've said about light. Uh, we've said it quite a lot in this episode. Um, it, he's. You know he's a, he's a total sociopath and everything, and I think they've thought, oh, we can't really have that as our main character. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so what they kind of they've and they've just 
sort of made him a a sort of normal bullied nerd character or whatever which is not what light is at all i think i think it's a it's maybe a cultural thing in that i don't think characters like what light is supposed to be necessarily are normal in the west in that he's he's like he's like a, a straight a student but he's also supposed to be really pretty and all the girls like him and you know and he's not bullied you know he's oh he's no like, no he's oh yeah he's talk his way out of situations like that um but in light turner in the american version is you know is bullied and stuff and mm-hmm. uh and um i think what they did instead was try to put all his sociopathic tendencies in the um maya character oh yes oh my gosh she scared me she was terrifying and you're like and his character is like well she's kind of a sociopath but she's pretty so i'm but she's gonna also just hot she says. so you know yeah yeah so that'll do and you know and it's just like yeah it's just like completely misunderstands the um the characters and uh like the first person he kills is is a bully like that he should be a criminal or something shouldn't it that yeah well, in... it's, it's it's really hard for me he... to talk about this movie because it's it's really i mean part of me really wants to try and divorce the whole aspect that this is you know that that like judge the movie as a film film not as a death note film but when you have the name death note on there it's kind of hard for me to do that isn't it I think the problem is even if you divorce it from the source material it's still not very good <laughs> it's, it's kind of it's just kind of a uh, film yeah and um yeah it, it obviously ramps up the violence and stuff oh my god it, so like, much it's more like Final Destination or something and it's like that's not really what Death Note is at all no um and the other thing is like where they try and bring in the Japanese elements is kind of weird they're like oh I know right we're gonna we're gonna still bring it we're gonna say it's named after Kira oh no this is great it's Japanese this is great and yeah and we're still gonna yeah look we're gonna show some Japanese people like, okay so the first no. Japanese people you see are all dead people and some ladies with their boobs out and it's like really? oh great really? so yeah no that's that's all the Japanese people you're going to have in the film, you know, right? You know what kills me? You know what really kills me, though? Um, is that, that, that that's how the reasoning for uh, Light Turner taking the name Kira is like, Kira is killer in Japanese. And I'm like, I'm just saying that. Like, I, I was literally about to, like, like, slam my head through my desk when I was watching this because I'm like, no, that's not why he's <laughs> called the king. That's not why Kira is his name in the original. The reason, the reason why they called him Kira is because it's like, no, Kira is killer in English. Yeah. <laughs> it's a vicious cycle of confusion on what words mean in different languages. It's, and, oh, ow, that's, that's just, that physically hurt me. Oh no! But, but, but wait, Watashi is it? Watashi? He's Japanese in this version. Oh, what, Watabe. Even though, Watabe. Watabe. Yeah, even though I think in the original he's not. <laughs> it's I. It's not clear, but it's 
Yeah. I've read someone's, someone said he's supposed to be English, which is... <laughs> he's like, not supposed so... to be Japanese at the very least, at least to my understanding. Because that would be quite funny if they get... Well, there's one Japanese character who in the original wasn't Japanese. <laughs> and then, of course, there's the other big problem is that um, they... Elle's hardly in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole uh, crux of the dynamic and the entire the entire franchise not is not really there. I mean, they don't kill him off. <laughs> that's that's something. <laughs> no, but they wouldn't have franchise. But no, but still, yeah. but they they did the character at least into a small. I mean, obviously the actor who portrayed him. I've um I've heard I've seen he's been in a couple other things and you know the actor himself is not bad I just don't think he had a lot of material to work with or it was just, it was just the production in general just didn't really know they it's like oh L sits in a squat all the time so you have to sit mm. in a squat or we always have to keep his face hidden or but then mm. I remember losing my crud when I saw him actually standing in front of like microphones trying to give like a public message I'm like no <laughs> no you're mm. wrong again movie. Yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with the actor as such as just the um the 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 way they've taken the character and just sort of ruined everything that was interesting. Well, the thing is, I remember when Dan and I were talking about this, and then uh, when we were previously discussing this movie, is that they made it safe. They took mm. all of the really like shocking and you know daring aspects of you know Death Note that made it such a house you know uh, such a household name in the anime community, and made it Hollywood or safe or you know U.S. safe mm. in terms of like they narrative. made it. They made it that he does care about his dad. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, yeah. It's then uh, then he loses the part of why I love to hate Light Yagami so much. Mm. The character you love to hate, you you've taken that away from me. Then I'm not going to be invested. Yeah, it's just it's not good. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry. It, well, it's, it's here's the thing, and I've already said again. I'll, I I read I read it this before, so I'll just be very brief. The one saving grace about the whole thing, um, at least in my mind, and just in the whole film, is the fact that people who are not familiar with the actual show or manga of Death Note who might see this movie. They might be you know, they might not enjoy it necessarily, but they'll at least be intrigued by the premise. So if mm. basically all I have to say is like, well, here's the same thing, just better execution. Good. <laughs> it does make you wonder if it'll put people off though. But yeah. then again then again I suppose like if if you're if you're on Netflix then and you've watched Netflix Death Note, then it probably recommend you the original. Yeah, like they point. literally show up right next to each other. So you look at one, you so, look at the other. Like, hmm, I'll try this first, then I'll go back to this. So people might at least go, well, I'll see if it's any better. Mm-hmm. And then by episode so. two, they're like, oh, this is good. <laughs> yeah, I think that was one so, of my all-time favorite scenes um, in the show, bar none, is that introduction for L because that's. It was just really well handled. Yeah, there was also a, a live-action movie just based on L. Um, yeah, there was, wasn't there? I didn't see that I, one. I, I, I saw a little bit of it, but I ended up. It, I think it seemed like it was a maybe like a cheap 
straight to DVD version of the mm-hmm. movie. Um, but yeah. Well, again, I, it's that it's that it's that question. You know, are these characters entertaining on their own as the, compared to how they are together? It's kind of like how I was bringing mm-hmm. our Naruto episodes. Like the main characters, they're good. They're fine. They work better as a cohesion than on individually. Mm-hmm. And then there was that basically that movie was the question: Is L a compelling enough character on his own when Light Yagami isn't around to be his counterpoint? Mm-hmm. And if you weren't as engaged by it, then that's probably one of the reasons. But I will admit that I looked into the light novel of um, this particular <laughs> light novel. Ha ha ha! Yes, pun. <laughs> I, I see. I see what you did there. Um, no, yeah, the the novel version of. Uh, the movie, the L focus movie, L changed the world. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was mm-hmm. a nice, like, little bookend of the whole narrative of the whole Death Note narrative. But I, I wouldn't actively recommend it. At least not. No. <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 kind of weird if, in terms of like it, it it's it's like some part like it is part of that mag- magic is gone with the, when mm. these characters aren't working off each other. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard to say, but I would say if you if you are a fan of Death Note, I would again give it a shot. I mean, I'm probably gonna check out the movie again because I did enjoy the the novel. Maybe actually look mm-hmm. at the movie. Mm. Maybe it was because the whole fact that I was still, I when I when I picture those characters, I still picture like the characters from the anime, how they were depicted in the anime. Mm. With the novel, I can basically, as I'm reading the novel, I can picture those characters in my head. As opposed to the movie where I'm just, you know, they, they look how they're presented in the live action movies. Mm. Maybe that's the reason why yeah. I haven't looked at it yet. I don't know. Maybe. So, do you think we've about covered Death Note? <laughs> I think pretty pretty solidly, yeah. Yeah. So, if you haven't <laughs> checked out Death Note, but you've still listened to the whole thing where we spoil the whole thing... <laughs> <laughs> Um, At least the good bits. Yeah, you you can find it on Netflix at least, or on DVD and Blu-ray, possibly. Maybe it's on streaming somewhere else, like Viz's website. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I should check that kind of thing before I say it. Um, Yeah, so check out the anime, check out the manga from Viz Manga, and uh, I suppose if if you really. If you like any of those do, things, could... check out the the Japanese live action movies as well. If you like any of those other things, yeah, the live action movie, live, and... uh, Japanese movies. Maybe don't bother with the um <laughs> the live action movie on Netflix. Unless but, you're yeah. really curious, but chances are mm, you'll probably have our reaction. Mm. Okay. So, shall we mosey on down to the water cooler? Alright, right behind you. Okay, so, this week, uh, I actually caught up with an animated film from 2016, one of the major studio releases that I had not got a chance to watch until now, oh. and it is from Warner Animation Group, it is their second uh, animation release following uh, the Lego movie. And that is a little movie called Storks. Ah, yes, this film has come up on uh, many conversations. I think when it was first uh, 
coming up for release. We were discussing it on the podcast previously. So uh, you finally got a chance to see it? Yeah. I really like Stork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um obviously yeah. the the setting the the setup is uh, you know, inspired by the idea of Storks delivering babies, but in the world of Storks Storks no longer deliver babies, they haven't done for about eighteen years. And um they now <laughs> they're basically like like Amazon delivery. Oh wow, that's great! <laughs> delivery stocks now, but for a, a fictional company called Corner Store or Cornerstone or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the the main character, uh, who's called Junior, who is voiced by um, voiced by um, Andy Samberg, and you know when those it's something magical that animators do where they somehow have got the essence of the voice actor in that the animation and it's like that stork kind of looks like Andy Samberg and it's <laughs> weird but it kind of does it looks like a stork but also it, it kind of looks like Andy Samberg it's weird but it's true no it is um, true and uh, his his boss is voiced by Kelsey Grammer in a great voice yes role. I, uh, I remember he, loving that voice he is an excellent voice actor which is no surprise after Silent Silent Bob, obviously, you know, <laughs> being his his most legendary voice performance. Um, yeah, and what happens is, um, he there there was basically at the very end of the delivery of the babies, a baby got abandoned at the at the uh, the delivery warehouse type place. Um, so they kept the baby, and uh, they raised the baby, and the baby is now eighteen. Um, and she's called Tulip, and um, they uh, the the boss says, "Okay, uh, now you, now uh, uh, you have to sack <laughs> Tulip because <laughs> uh, she brings down our um, our productivity for some reason. I forget why. Um, so he uh, has to has to um, basically go and sack her, but he's he's." He can't do it. It's too much. So um, he um, he goes. Uh, I'm moving you to a to the mail room or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he he basically sends her off to the mail room, which is um, basically it's it's a disused room. Uh, and he's just basically he's just trying to get out of having to sack her. Mm-hmm. Um, but while she's in there, she accidentally activates a machine. That makes babies. Oh no! Um, uh, not in the, that way. Uh, in no, no, no. I know. Um, I know exactly what you did. The, the magical, like supernatural, yeah. like Mag- oh, magic yeah. baby. Yeah, um, I might be slightly remembering the. Cause there's, there's also a thing about a a little kid who writes, who finds, who finds a a um. He wants a a little brother, mm-hmm. and he finds an he finds an order form to Storks, and he writes it. And um, so basically, it ends up a, a baby gets made, and uh, Tulip wants to deliver the baby to the family who want the baby, and that's your basic setup. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you've got a sort of mismatched buddy comedy type thing with because um, Junior feels guilty. Oh yeah, so they're they're, goes, they're they're making the journey together to deliver the baby. Mm-hmm. But um, it's. 
why it's good basically is it's really funny and it's like just um just it's got really good high grade like slapstick just entertaining old school animation type things in it um like you you encounter these um these wolves later uh, who are voiced by uh, key and peel oh yes uh, they are um the alpha wolves that is alpha wolf and beta wolf and um they they um because they crash in in like a frozen tundra or whatever and they go to eat the baby and then oh they fall in love with the baby and they're like no no we have to keep the baby now oh no yeah uh, i remember so, that was in the promotional material like everywhere so they're chasing after the baby and you're like this there's uh there's basically a, a running gag that i'm pretty sure was referencing voltron oh beautiful with the, um, with the with the um wolf pack basically morphing into different things <laughs> and and it's so entertaining and the animation is really beautifully cartoony and everything and it's just um it's like people say about like illumination stuff they say that oh you know it's good that it's just simple simple and cartoony and it's not trying to tug the heartstrings too much or try you know it's not trying to be anything too um anything too high polluting or anything it's just and i kind of they don't work so much for me like um mm-hmm. secret life of pets i i just thought it was totally mediocre mm-hmm. to be honest but this and i this i think actually lives up to that um and is just a really good solid entertaining hour and a half but it does also manage to get in a little bit of heart in there as well very good like it's sort of it's like one of those things where by not being sentimental it sort of sneaks in and go oh i gotcha gotcha i made you do a feel <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see that one coming did you yeah and also the human character of tulip she's uh i just really love the design like the way she, she she's got like it's like she's got she's a redhead with this great big huge like um mess of hair <laughs> and she's really really nicely and distinctively designed and it's like you know cute as a button and it's just like oh and like somehow they make the um the animals like the different storks look different and there's this little um there's this really funny little um character who's but he's he's like a he's like a kind of little um he's like a little bro He's like, oh my god! <laughs> He's like the way he talks is really funny, um, <laughs> and uh, he's um, yeah, just the characters are all really good. And uh, the one thing I would say is that um, the climax is kind of a it. I'm a bit fed up with the idea of like, oh, every film's got to have like a big actiony climax. It's like mm-hmm. it doesn't really need that. No. It, like oh we're gonna make a big machine that's gonna smush things or whatever and it's like it doesn't really need that <laughs> couldn't you do something else mm-hmm. um and also there's a really awesome thing with um there's like a montage of people being delivered to babies and it shows all different types of families and there's like oh. there's like people of, of of different like of all different races and and there's there's um you see like a couple of you see uh 
like couples that are two two ladies or two guys or and they or and there's also like a single woman and things like that and it's like all oh, the different types of families like oh and that's such a, a nice little sentiment that's beautiful. in this movie oh. and it's like, oh then there's where the feels yeah. come there right yeah so stalks you might have overlooked it but it's really good <laughs> and i think it it um sort of yeah because there were so many good like mainstream cg movies and animated movies last year it was easy for, to get things mixed up but, but this is stalks i would recommend definitely mm-hmm. and um i would love to see warner animation group do more stuff like this and not get too bogged down with lego because i just kind i lego movies really good mm-hmm. and i was i'm also to, i haven't seen it yet but i'm totally happy with there being a lego batman movie but it's like do you need a whole cinematic universe really I don't think that people watched the Lego movie because it was Lego necessarily. I think people watched it because they heard it was good and it was surprisingly funny and everything. Yeah, and it, it, it took the animation world by storm in terms of like we everyone was expecting a not good, like mediocre, like marketing movie when it had mm. surprisingly, a, you know, it was it was it wasn't just the fact that it was deep because it wasn't trying to be deep. It was just very smart smart in its kind of like satire of like almost everything of lego related and yeah and apparently the lego ninjago movie just come out in the u.s and it hasn't done that well Mm. to start start off with and uh also lego batman movie kind of underperformed to what they were expecting Mm. so i think you know they might find that people are like we don't necessarily want lots of lego movies that's not what we reacted to with the lego movie it was everything else it was the actual film not not the fact that they were all made out of plastic figures yeah. i think they learned the wrong lesson well, it, 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 and it really comes down to sorry i'm interrupting and i also like the fact that this really feels like it's a really good solid standalone story and it's not trying to start a franchise or anything there's yeah. not going to be a stalk cinematic universe mm-hmm. i mean i suppose i i could be wrong <laughs> but it doesn't it didn't feel like that to me at all <laughs> so just do more like that warners <laughs> yeah standalone films are a-okay mm-hmm. you're not we don't need every single franchise you know every single studio under the sun having their own film franchise Mm-hmm. Because it's gonna get old after a while. And also, I, I got to rewatch a awesome movie, but for the first time in high definition, because I got my my review copy of Cowboy Bebop the movie, Woo! which is so good still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what can I say really? Cowboy Bebop is just amazing, and it's like. It's just like here's just one more adventure of the characters you love, which is good. And, uh, which is good. I think, especially after the way the show ended, I think the you know people who really got invested in Cowboy Bebop kind of needed just one more outing with these guys. Even though it was like the the time in which it takes place in the course of the story is kind of iffy, it's still it's again it's 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 all the characters you know and love. It's Edward, it's Ayn, Jet, Faye, mm-hmm. and of course Spike. And it looks pretty good uh, on on Blu-ray. It's not it's not like the slickest presentation. It hasn't uh, 
I don't know if they put that much money into restoration or whatever. It's only from 2001 anyway. It's not that old. Mm-hmm. But it does, you know, like when you watch like the Ghibli movies on Blu-ray or whatever, it's, the uh, quality is amazing. And you're like, I can't believe this movie's from 1985 or whatever. But it, it, it doesn't quite live up to that. But it's, it still looks better than any DVD. Um, and it sounds great as well. So you get all the awesome Yoko Kano movie music <laughs> even. <laughs> They go, oh yeah, I love that song, um, and it's they, the Blu-ray's got like all the, all the special features I think from the, from the uh, DVDs on it, and I f- I found out something, that the um, the uh, dub was was directed, by Mary Legle- Mary McGlynn even who is the um, who is uh, the voice actor, who plays, Major in. Uh, Ghost in the Shell, Stanlow Complex. Yeah, She's got a yeah. very distinctive voice. And she also and played I, I uh, like... Julia, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, in actual uh, Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, I've I've um, yeah, I I don't think I've ever seen her before. Like watching special features and like, and you just hear the voice and you go, oh yeah, she's got such an attractive voice. <laughs> and also, also she's she's Mrs. Steve Bloom. No, yeah, they were they were a thing. They are a thing. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> so, um, I, oh, I also, this is completely irrelevant, but I am, um, I finally watched um, Rogue One. <laughs> um, oh, did you? And I was what? Yeah, I was watching the credits and it said additional voices, and I just saw Steve Bloom's voice go by and name go Wait, by. Wait, what? Like, oh, what? He does a voice. He's a voice somewhere in Rogue One. I, what? Huh? What? He is. What? Yeah. I don't know where. Oh my god, I have to go... F- okay, the new mission. Gotta track down that movie and gotta re-listen. I'm gonna, like... I'll strain my ears just so I can catch that one line of Steve Bloom in Rogue One because I know exactly... I should know exactly what character he's supposed to be in because they were, they were rebels, like, tidbits, like, all over Rogue One. Like... Is that? Oh, oh there's okay. tons. Um, There's Chopper for, like, a split second in a, um, in a scene... Um, on uh, Yavin 4. And um, you also hear in on Yavin 4, um, Hera's name, uh, Sedula, spoken over the loudspeaker. Um, and then, last but certainly not least, you can, in, during the uh, the final battle, when all the uh, rebel ships are com- coming in to join the fray, you can see the ghost. Uh, the ghost is in, in, uh, in that fight. So I'm just like, yeah, oh wonder- god. <laughs> I wonder if he's he's a relevant voice or if he's just like some random stormtrooper. <laughs> Regardless, I don't. Well, to be fair, he's played a lot of random stormtroopers and rebels too. On top of playing um, mm-hmm. his uh, his main character, so it, I don't care. It's Steve Bloom. I am <laughs> wherever he has a line, I will be there <laughs> <laughs> because he is an amazing guy. He is very cool. Uh, I think that would do me for the water cooler. Okay, I don't, unfortunately don't have too much else to offer because it's been a very busy weekend for me. But um, there were a few things I did want to bring up. Um, one of which was a uh, video game that I had a chance to play um, in the past couple days called uh, Jetto Miro. Um, I believe it is downloadable on. Um, you can purchase it on Steam at the at the moment, and it's a 
It's a very interesting game. The whole premise of it is you are playing this uh, giant robot named Detomero. He's just found himself alone on this asteroid. Doesn't really have a memory of who he is. But um, you play as him as he wanders, like, clumsily around from planet to planet, trying to piece together, you know, what he was made for. And uh, he comes to the conclusion, when he, the, like, the more bits of information that he uh, jogs his memory, that, oh, I'm meant to save the universe from these big, bad aliens. You know, I can save all these, like, little teeny tiny civilizations from, you know, certain destruction. And so, basically, the whole premise of the game is you're, you know, clumsily walking around as this giant robot from planet to planet, flying, you know, from galaxy to galaxy. And you'll land on these tiny worlds, and, you know, obviously, depending on how you go about walking around on them, you know, you could crash into a building accidentally, and then all of a sudden people will start shooting at you. They won't hurt you, but they'll start shooting at you (laughs) for sure. But then the whole, how you have to try and do what you can to fight off the monsters and still piece together more of like the uh, missing gaps in the robot's memory and it's 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 very simple like in terms of storytelling it, but it that's kind of the point it's a very kind of chill game like the whole you're not really supposed to like solve any pu- I mean there is there is some light puzzle solving in it but it's not really like it's it's a game to play to relax really it's not really something to kind of like get your blood pumping and just you know at the edge of your seat, but more along, like, you know, just something to do to kind of just, like, chill out, because it's very kind of zen in certain places, but one of the things that really kind of drew me to it, not was just the premise of playing a giant robot, because I'm always about that, <laughs> but um, the fact that it's it's got a very unique animation style to it, it's very comic book based, because the whole, I, ah. the reason why, and obviously because of the fact that, you know, the main protagonist considers himself a hero, the whole comic style kind of fits very well, but it's got very, very beautiful colors and very vibrant, just kind of like, and the, it, you really feel like you're alone out in like this really kind of colorful galaxy with all these like different planets scattered around with different kind of civilization like structures and all with different weapons trying to keep Jeto Mero from like, you know, trying to destroy it or um, going from one place to the other. Like there's little things that'll try to shoot you, little flying saucers that'll try to rockets at you and then little ropes to try and restrain his arms but it's really it's hilarious because no matter what's thrown at you it, it it does nothing the only thing that can kind of sort of hurt you are the giant monsters that you eventually like have like i beam worms i beam wars with but even then like when they beat you they don't destroy the robot they just kind of push you off planet and then it's like oh we'll try that again it's very it's if i did say describe it with a word it's charming it's a very charming game hey. And so if you're curious, uh, by all means, look up the trailers on YouTube right now. And if you want to invest some money in it, it's on uh, Steam. Sweet. The only other thing I might have to talk about, and I think I possibly have revisited this co- uh, this particular topic of uh, in a previous episode, but that is the anime of Death Parade, which is, or uh, Death Billiards, which is also done by Studio Madhouse, uh, which was yeah. which did Death Note. And one thing that I have to say, because I mean, obviously, Studio Madhouse is definitely like one of those like top tier like animation studios in terms of how they approach yeah, animation. 100%. I love like how they're kind of um, at least with both Death Note and um, in this show, it's very kind of a what's what's the word I'm looking for? It's not a very exaggerated style of animation. It's very down to earth mm-hmm. in terms of how they portray the characters' movements and such. No like really super cartoony moments of characters going ah kawaii or like. At least if they do have those moments, it 
it's exaggerated to the point that it still feels natural, like, within this realm of existence. It doesn't seem like, you know, all of a sudden we're, we've gone to cartoon cutouts. Mm-hmm. But it's it's kind of fascinating in terms of like this world that they build up because the whole premise is like this and if, if I haven't if I've already told said this stop me and cut this out um, the premise is there is an area after people there's a place people go to after they die um, especially when people die simultaneously and they are sent to one of many rooms in this kind of like um, I wouldn't say limbo but just kind of this like tower that exists in limbo where People are entered like this kind of like bar area and are basically tasked by the bartender. Um, in this case, our main protagonist, one of our main protagonists, uh, Deckham, to play a game against each other, a game of life and death. And that can be any kind of game. That can be darts. That could be bowling. That could be um, uh, what's the uh, table hockey. Mm-hmm. Or in uh, one of my favorite episodes, they actually had a game of Twister. I was going to say Twister is a joke. <laughs> no, but it's great. It's fantastic. Because the reason why it's fantastic is how they work the scenarios into each game. Because obviously most of the characters that you see coming through the bar or the location in this tower, you know, you won't see them next episode because the whole point is that with these games, a winner and a loser is decided and from that from those uh, judgments. One gets sent, One soul gets sent to reincarnation, the others get sent to the void. So uh. it's how we get to that particular point in this, you know, it's how we get there is interesting. What we find out about these characters as the game continues about their lives, who they were before they died, how they died, and if these, if they're at how, what connects the two of them together. Sometimes they know each other. Sometimes they have, they don't know each other very well, or um, in some cases they don't know each other at all, but they have similar circumstances. Yeah, that's cool. It's it's very fascinating, and it's I haven't gotten so far into it that I know the whole scope of the plot yet. But their um, idea is that there is one uh, human actually um, um, work in the uh, working with Deckham in the bar, though she isn't entirely sure how she got there or even why she's there. Why she's being exempt from these judgments? And while the others go through it, she why she's being allowed to work here, but because supposedly when she first arrived to the tower, she already knew she was dead. When they're not supposed to realize that they're dead until like good way pour- through the game, if not by the game's end. Mm. So it's got a lot of really great intrigue, and I would say that you'll absolutely love the animation. If you love the animation in Death Note, then you'll definitely dig this because it almost seems like. The animation in Death Note, at least in the animated show, like it, it was great for its particular time. This looks like ten times beyond that. <laughs> Especially mm-hmm. the opening animation is just fantastic. Very uh, upbeat as opposed to the, the premise of the story. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's good. And um, it came out, I believe, in 2015. So, um, and it's yeah. available on, I think it's on... It was. It is. What that was was available on Crunchyroll in Japanese, and then it is definitely on Funimation.com and their streaming service in the dub. Oh, I might have to check that out. I've got Funimation. Yep. So. And that's we... all for me. It's it's funny because I've just been um, I've just discovered the series The Good Place on Netflix. Uh-huh. Um, and and that is about <laughs> that's about um, a different version of the afterlife. Where you you get greeted by Ted Danson and Kristen Bell's there, so that's good. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been watching lots of that. Um, okay, I, I think that will sum us up for the show for this week. Uh, thank you, Rachel, for joining me. It's been a fascinating chat, as always. Thank you very much for having me. And you're very welcome anytime. And uh, thank you for listening this far. If you did, <laughs> indeed, <laughs> if you still are. Um, and you can catch up with everything we do. Uh, you can follow us on on Twitter at AFA Blog. You can follow us on Facebook, Tumblr, Pinterest, Google Plus. Uh, is that Mr. it? Tumblr, uh, Instagram. <laughs> Instagram, yeah, <laughs> Instagram. Uh, you can join our official Facebook group. Never say that. <laughs> Always forget that one. Um, yeah, and we're also on YouTube, but there's not a whole lot on there so far. But we watch this space. We are hoping hopefully. to uh, inc- uh, increase some more of our YouTube content in the future. So if you're interested in supporting that, please, uh, if you would visit our Patreon page and look at our particular board tiers, you can go ahead and uh, become a patron and help support us on our endeavors for the future to help uh, create more content. Yeah. Or you can also uh, send us a one-off donation via PayPal or buy us a virtual coffee. Or you could help us out in a way that will absolutely cost you no money and you can just leave us a nice review on uh, wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Podcast.com or Stitcher. Or just tell your friends they like animation just spread the word help us get out there (laughs) um and we will be back very soon with another episode uh where can we find you rachel uh you can usually find me on twitter at fail to ninja okay you can find me at mr crystal on twitter and facebook we will join you soon for another episode and uh keep an eye on our social media and we will probably let you know what the next episode's going to be so we will speak to you soon goodbye everybody take care